Hi, Jayant. Good to see you back. Hi, Leslie. Hope you had a great weekend. Oh, yes. Absolutely. I know this is this has become a standard question of that. <laughs> but and yeah, I mean, a lot has been happening. Uh, but of course, uh, uh, before we get on with our conversation, we have with us today Rishikesh Kumar, who is the co-founder and CEO of Sarvapatham Edge. Uh, you know, the interestingly, uh, what, you know, if I put on my journalist hat, this is one of the few or the rare mission statement of a company, which I found to be so simple and to the point. Otherwise, you know, most of the mission statements and the introductions of companies will confound you miserably. But in this particular case, this is how I'm quoting from his mission statement. It is estimated that every day, approximately 6,400 people die from occupational accidents or diseases and that 860,000 people are injured on the job. Our mission at Cerebrum Edge is to prevent this, period. You know, it's just to the point, succinct. Uh, I, 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 I love this. Of course, uh, how he goes about it is exactly what we are going to uh, speak about it, where he uses computer vision and generative AI and enhancing these kind of uh, computer vision models that he has. Uh, so uh, welcome, uh, uh, Rishi. Thanks, Leslie. Thank you for having me. Hello, Jayant. Hi, Rishi. So and uh, people, what uh, Leslie did not mention in his uh, introduction is Rishi is one of the few guys, few go-to guys for both me and uh, Leslie for anything latest and greatest in AI. Okay, he is an AI oh, researcher. Yeah, we've we've known each other for many years now. And anything that's happening, if we want to unravel, if you want to understand, uh, you know, uh, the latest research, Rishi is our go-to guy. Yeah, and he explains it well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but you know, uh, th that's exactly what I find interesting. And uh, of course, Vishy, before we get into the, you know, uh, more about uh, w what you do and how, uh, you know, uh, the specifics on computer vision and generative AI, we typically we talk about uh, the de developments that are, uh, you know, shaping the space of uh, AI and generative AI. Uh, I have a couple of things in mind. And of course, you and Jayant can uh, uh, take it forward from there. First thing, of course, is, you know, that uh, major announcement uh, that we had uh, basically of uh, Amazon uh, investing up to dollars $4 billion in Anthropic. Now, I found that very interesting on many counts. One is, if you remember, you know, Jim Cramer had coined this uh, term called FANG. Yeah. So yes. we were yeah. all all used to, <laughs> you know, Bang. basically Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, Netflix and Google. Netflix and Google, yeah. Yeah, then later it included uh, Apple in it. Apple. And it made so it Fang, it becomes Fang. F double A N G. Then, and today, uh, you know, now the new acronym is MAMA, M A M M A. That's Meta, uh, of course, because uh, Facebook became Meta. Then Meta, Apple, Microsoft, uh, Amazon, and exactly. Alphabet, of course, because you don't you don't talk about Google. Uh, then there's, there's also another acronym, which is called MATANA. So that's Microsoft, Apple, Tesla, Alphabet, NVIDIA, and Amazon. Now, my contention was that if you add OpenAI, Anthropic, and Hugging Face to it, then you add, then it becomes Matanoa, or it becomes Matanoa. 
<laughs> whatever you want to <laughs> depends on how you want to juggle these acronyms yeah. of course or club these companies together but my my limited point um, was that basically it's not wise to you know bet on any one company because you're going to end up in a serious yeah. problem out here so as this ai race is going on we're going to have right. a very different problem because it's not only open ai that invested uh, 4 billion in, in anthropic uh, i think uh, uh, we'll remember uh, you may recall that even google had invested uh, something like 300 million in 300 again, million in anthropic for 10% yeah, in anthropic yeah. Yeah, and it did not disclose this uh, openly, but I think that was the figure that everybody had, and of course both I think uh, uh, Amazon and uh, Google. I mean, it gives them uh, it gives Anthropic you know access to their infrastructure to train and deploy the AI models. Uh, interestingly, a lot has happened, you know, in this uh, sort of uh, last. Uh, let's let's say about uh, 15 20 days which are i think to a great extent pretty uh, path breaking google announced a series of updates to bard that is one yes. thing then meta is working on a uh, generative ai chatbot called genai persona now this is a wall street journal article and meta has got uh, i think uh, the event is starting today or tomorrow i think so it's a two day event so they will be making a lot of uh, announcements and of course uh, uh, Microsoft has announced its plan to uh, embed its uh, generative AI assistant called Copilot across many of its products. Yeah, I think there's a you know so th- this clearly shows that there's so much activity out here. It doesn't give you time to even digest the facts. So yes. of, of course that's, this is something true. that I thought of. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, I, I would love to hear. Uh, your thoughts on uh, you know uh, you have been uh, Rishi you have been tracking this uh, space for who knows now more than a decade uh, very easily of course we used to call it AI <laughs> AI yeah. 1.0 as uh, Jayant and we like to refer to that and uh, then of course now it's AI 2.0 or whatever you want to call it yeah so so some quick uh, thought my thought about uh, these developments. So one is the speed of innovation or, uh, you know, speed of the releases of this information. It's, it's very difficult to catch up for a human being. I remember like till almost four or five years back, I used to have uh, some kind of a weekly one hour slot where I, I used to just go through some of those papers and one or two I used to go to in details. If something is really, really interesting then once in a month I used to try and replicate that paper, right? So now this is simply not feasible for uh, somebody to individually do that. Across all those acronyms and the companies, I know at least one clear winner and that is NVIDIA, right? Just because they are selling all the GPUs, so whether it's Anthropic, whether it's OpenAI or whoever is doing that, whoever is the final winner, NVIDIA is sure sort is going to be the number one or at least partnered with the final winner. So, so that's very clear. The second thing uh, about uh, all of that is some of these big companies, uh, they are realizing that it might be something similar to search engine, but at a huge, huge scale. So there could be say one or two winner, uh, but the, score, the, the scale could be, you know, uh, many X exponentially higher than the search engine uh, business. And that's why you see all these 
quick, uh, you know, big, huge billion dollar investment by Meta, by by Amazon, by by Tesla. So uh, who are they are not supposed to be in this field, but everybody is thinking that they might, you know, leave behind. So they have to get there. Now the interesting thing would be, you know, to know like how these whole things play out. Whether we get new innovation or we are just kind of replicating whatever is happening, uh, because OpenAI was kind of a, you know big announcement where it took and uh, it kind of captured the imagination of the people, especially with the 3.5 uh, release onwards. Though as I mean we know each other for so long, we know like it's not you know sudden development. There has been multiple phases, steps by step, how it reached. But with three and 3.5, it has capture the imagination of the normal world, the business people, the CEOs, uh, you know, the, the normal uh, uh, AI practitioners, uh, the students, everyone. So it would be, uh, it's, it's exciting time to be uh, particularly with, uh, with, with AI field. Yeah, go ahead, Jan. It's, 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 it's interesting when trillion dollar companies go through FOMO, uh, you know, startups get billions invested in them, right? And, and it's a circular investment, mind you. I mean, you know, uh, Amazon announced $1.25 billion, you know, and another 2.75, probably going all the way up to cumulatively 4 billion. But most of that is being, uh, you know, plowed back into Amazon for usage of uh, AWS clouds and the compute, uh, you know, and the compute servers, right? But, you know, like, like Rishi talked about, Tesla is getting in, although, you know, Tesla conventionally is not supposed to be an AI company or working on AI as a part of its core proposition. But, you know, like he said, it's a trillion dollar company going through FOMO and they are now looking for, uh, you know, potential partners. And it's very interesting what you mentioned, Leslie, that uh, both Google and uh, Amazon, you know, uh, invested in, in Anthropic. Okay. Rishi, uh, I would like to take this... Just, just, just before you get on to Rishi specifically, there are uh, certain aspects uh, that I want to talk about. Uh, one is, of course, you mentioned the FOMO factor. Yeah. Now, McKinsey came out with another acronym called FOBO. Do you know what it is? Fear of? Fear, Fear of being obsolete. Being obsolete, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Fear of being obsolete. This was actually, yeah, actually in specific reference to the Gen Z and yeah. uh, uh, yeah. uh uh, uh, or so generation I, AI, like like Devjani called, yeah. Yeah, because the the, the the accelerated pace at which you know these developments are taking place, it 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 sort of you know could confound anybody. I don't. There's no clear direction as to where it is going. Yeah. And yeah. even you know if, what Rishi said about Nvidia. I know I myself have been pretty bullish about Nvidia in the sense I have written a very a uh, uh, detailed article on why Nvidia is the hottest. But even having said that. I think we uh, uh, the listeners also ought to know this that Nvidia is a fabulous company. It does not make its own uh, chips. Whereas, uh, so it gets its chips done from either TSMC, which is that Taiwan uh, uh, semiconductor uh, company, and uh, or it's Samsung. So mostly TSMC. But now, you know, given the geopolitics, TSMC also has moved a plant to Arizona. Uh, but 
you know there is quite something because apple uh, uh, is trying to make its own chips google already has its tpus which are the tensor processing uh, units uh, uh, then uh, uh, intel and amd i don't think it's uh, i mean clearly they're lagging in this uh, race but you know when you start combining cpus and gpus uh, which is because uh, uh, i mean she will obviously know that because he uses it on a daily basis the gpus are power hogging uh, but yeah. uh, you know and and they're very expensive also. Uh, whereas uh, CPUs, uh, that you know, that traditional battle between whether CPU is more effective or GPUs because it does parallel uh, computing is more effective. We have had we have heard the stories, but uh, uh, that I think would be you know out of the scope of this particular podcast. But I'm just saying that there are competitors on the horizon, you know, uh, and. These equations will change. And of course, I must uh, clarify to our uh, listeners that uh, Rishi is part of the NVIDIA inception program. So yes. there is there could be some bias. I know he's not biased, but, uh, you know, that boilerplate uh, disclaimer is, is a must out here. Uh, and and, and talking new... about, yeah, talking about semiconductor companies, one of the key, uh, you know, uh, development in the last week, Arm got uh, relisted, uh, you know, went back to an IPO with $65, $65 billion valuation, you know, almost double of what uh, SoftBank bought it a few years back, right? And, you know, please, Arm also... Please don't speak about... I'm saying please don't speak about valuation because I think OpenAI is talking about 80 to $90 billion valuation. Right. $90 right. Billion, yeah. $90 billion, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's mind-boggling, these kind yeah, of numbers. Yeah. And OpenAI also recently said that ChatGPT can now see, hear, and speak. If you remember, they just put out. They released the Visual logo. GPT uh, notes yes. yesterday. Yeah, the visual, yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That's so, another, and and that happened a few hours after. Uh, uh, the anthropic uh, investment. Anthropic yes. investment. So you know, I think they're trying to outdo each other. They keep eavesdropping on each other's conversation and try to. Now everybody knows that Meta is going to make these announcements, so trying to steal the show. It's 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 it's, it's a fun kind of uh, exercise that's happening out there. But yeah, yeah. So one quick comment about uh, the circular investment which Jan made. Uh, so the estimate is like when the startups are getting say uh, a billion dollar investment, the forty percent of those investments are getting into those server cost, cloud server cost, right? Uh, so yeah, almost forty percent of those startups, those uh, that investment is going back to either Amazon and to Nvidia and to whoever is providing those uh, servers. Uh, yeah, so the, I, I just wanted to make sure that we understand this part. The other thing is, since I'm part of uh, NVIDIA Inception program, we are also part of Microsoft Startup Program. And when we started a few years back, uh, $100,000 cloud credit, that used to be a huge thing, right? So that used to take care of uh, most of the you know uh, decent models which you could build or you know try and iterate. But now that is that is simply not sufficient. Even simple seven billion, seven billion Falcon model, you cannot try with uh, you know that kind of uh, yeah. The, the cost is going to be huge. So and and that's where it relates to some of the conversation which you had in your previous podcast uh, with uh, Nascom head, and uh, uh, it, it's a very relevant one that it's not the small investment which any startup or the investor can make and uh, do some, you know, meaningful work. 
Uh, Jayant, I know you're itching to ask Rishi some uh, pointed questions, but, uh, you know, since Rishi mentioned Falcon model, uh, I know for the listeners, we have to mention that this is the uh, United Arab Emirates uh, Falcon uh, uh, open AI, uh, I mean, open source, open uh, source. Uh, uh, sort of lang la uh, uh, language model, uh, LLM, yeah. which is making, uh, you know, a lot of, of course, there's an 180 billion parameter one also, which is making uh, headlines. But I think the interesting part is Jan Likun, who is the chief scientist at Meta, he put out, and he's of course one of the godfathers of modern AI also, the deep learning part of it, along with uh, Jeffrey Hinton and others. Now, the interesting part is he put out a, uh, a, a tweet, uh, or should we call it a post? now because it's become on x. x now post on x yes. see this i i have to get you know used to this x and post and tweet and repost anyway that's uh musk has made our life a little more uh complex but uh so ian uh likun yesterday posted saying that dear journalists okay uh, whenever you know uh you talk about uh parameters Okay, the models are not trained on parameters, they're trained on tokens, they're trained on words. Yeah. <laughs> so you're saying, this, yeah. you know, comparison of difference between parameters and tokens. And tokens. Exactly. exactly. And, exactly. you know, and we have been, and then you remember, we have been talking about this for quite some time. You exactly. Know, this, you're, trained, you're trained on these tokens, you're not trained on parameters. So parameters, uh, yes, uh, 175 billion parameters or 1.8 trillion or 1 trillion or whatever GPT-4 is. Uh, and whatever the other LLMs are, probably doesn't, you know, make so much of a difference with, the, uh, you know, the data sets that make a difference. But Rishi, I would love your thoughts on this because you are the guy who actually uses this in the world. So you're it's, uh, the practitioner. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, all these models. So, uh, Leslie, as I was trying to tell earlier, now it's actually very difficult to compare these models on the useful task. So there are benchmarks. There are benchmarks and whenever these models are getting published, uh, they, uh, you know, give their result and try to show that, okay, they are better here, better there, etc. But uh, uh, beyond the uh, set benchmark, I would like to know them, how they behave on, on the set, which is different from those benchmarks, because we don't know whether those benchmarks were also used uh, during validation and testing phases. That's number one. Second thing, what uh, right now my interest would be is the computational cost. So if something uh, something is really uh, useful happening with less computation, I would be more interested in that. And, uh, uh, you know, so there, there's a lot of discussion going around whether it, it's a limit of uh, uh, the LLMA, uh, which uh, right now is using a particular way of training the model, autoregression way, whether we should redesign that to come up with a better accurate uh, less hallucinating, uh, you know, uh, giving a thoughtful model uh, or we have to, right now the whole approach is kind of a brute force, right? So what we are trying to do is using a lot of, lot of data. Some people are making it, uh, uh, the input a little bit more refined to get a good result. Uh, but still, it's, it's a kind of a brute force model. So beyond this brute force, should we change the underlying approach algorithms? or we have to get more data, maybe synthesize more data, right? And then try to uh, uh, make it a good generic model or have a lot many different 
good vertical models for different kind of applications. So that's the debate and that's uh, which is going on across the industry and also with the AI researchers and, and I find that uh, very fascinating. So big is not necessarily better as young. Better. Yeah, no, exactly. And, and and this is what I think Jayant and uh, I, we have been discussing, you know, for quite some time. Exactly. That, you know, let's not get carried away by the number of parameters, yeah. etc. And and we yeah, discussed yeah. the vertical vertical LLMs uh, vertical opportunity LLMs. also in the past. But Rishi, uh, you know, Leslie, since I have Rishi on this episode, I would like to actually, uh, you know, run the theme of anti hype you know, for this episode, okay? If, if, if there's anyone who can answer questions, uh, countering all the hype that we've been seeing and witnessing, probably, you know, Rishi is one of those guys. So Rishi, yesterday I was having a conversation with someone at MIT in Boston, uh, you know, a guy who's been in the AI space. And he gave me, you know, we had a long conversation, but in a nutshell, the gist of it was, he gave me a very counter uh, point of view. He said that, you know, chat GPT and generative AI, the current avatars of it, uh, you have to view it as nothing but a big giant autocomplete. Okay. Uh, you know, they are, uh, they are autocomplete models. They really don't have the intelligence that you think that yes. they have. They're not generating something. And what they have proven is that, I mean, they had the access to the compute power. Okay. So what, what, has been proven with uh, you know chat gpt and other gen ai models currently is that what compute power can do like you mentioned earlier it's brute force right and and that's why it's nvidia who's who's the winner because compute power you know uh, brutally uh, can can take this to the next level but purely from an intelligence point of view transformers themselves are not really the, really the most uh, intelligent of ai models out there right uh, in terms of uh, you know uh, what they do in terms of intelligence what is your view on this i mean you know uh, how, how much of this statement is you know would you agree with it and, and what's your view on this no i i largely agree with that and, and for the simple reason mm -hmm. when most of us as a user we we uh, use uh, chat gpt or open ai and we complain about few things that uh, you know right. uh, it, it's not correct uh, uh, the references which it is giving is is not right, etc. So uh, we have to understand uh, the logic behind that, right? It is doing what it is supposed to do. So it has to make a best fit. So I'm asking it to generate, say, uh, 100 words, it starting with something, some background, and it's trying to fit the best possible 100 words with with the knowledge which we have provided them. So it's not. Mm -hmm trying to give you most factual information for, for sure. It, it's generating, right? It, so, uh, yeah. and it, it's not factual. So we have to understand that part. Uh, and that's where the limitation of the chat GPT uh, or similar models have to be, you know, more uh, open and particularly through the platforms like yours or through, you know, main media channel, we should know the limitations. So one thing which I'm more worried about it's, it's something kind of a dirty bomb, right? So I use, uh, say, right. API right. of uh, chat GPT, build something and tell you that it, it, will, it will answer, say, for example, all your health needs without knowing that whether it's a factual or it's, it's, it's just trying to generate the best possible answer. So uh, those yeah. kind of dangers uh, are, uh, especially for the country like ours, right, uh, where uh, Things are not so regulated. It's coming too fast. We have to. We are just building on top of the layer model using that. 
so we have to make sure that we are not into that territory where we are not uh, open about the danger and how do we uh, understand the output of uh, of these models right so i think so, you know, there's so... another as there's another aspect to this uh, basically it is an understanding so i i find people in two camps because i i look at it also from a very different uh, hat especially when i'm talking to these uh, so the one camp is people who actually do the programming who right. in, in whether it is python whether it's r whether it's uh, rust or whatever it be now whichever programming these guys are hardcore programmers they understand they have been doing uh, you know training these machine learning models they understand how algorithms work uh, and not conceptually they do it actually in practice that's right. one camp the other camp is uh, the mid camp that understands both sides of the fence a little of programming a little yeah. of uh, the uh, theory and and there's the extreme camp that understands neither of it which just takes away but the whole part of you know has watched these sci-fi movies like terminator or a universal soldier or this uh, her uh, oh. her that uh, yeah software and is enamored with those kind of things is either enamored about it or like sort of you know raising these questions whether uh, ai is going to overpower them of you know fueled by all the developments that we have whether it's moment they hear 1.8 trillion parameters they go berserk and say yeah this is uh, this is uh, 1.8 trillion parameters now this is the end of the world you know uh, apocalypse is here and nostradamus has given us a new model out here this also you know if you take this uh, an analogy stretch this analogy a bit you realize in the old do uh, you have these sometimes in movies where they show these tribals standing over there and start bowing down if they see somebody with a plane on the top yeah. but they don't understand yeah. how planes operate now imagine the pilot in a plane sitting god must be crazy <laughs> exactly be crazy. Because, yeah so yeah that, that's a lovely example so god must be crazy yeah. you can see like okay but these guys are in awe of uh, and uh, I don't want to get into the territory of how uh, the God factors, but you know this particular about uh, anything that you do not understand is always a, a major puzzle. I think the same thing is happening out here, and uh, I, I, I think it's also it's important for people to educate themselves and you know put in some effort and understand how the program is done so that you know it, yeah. it's, it's like somebody you know a cheap magician trying to teach it, it uh, you know cheat you with some thing so. There are some real good aspects about things. Like, look at Rishi's. Uh, uh, Rishi, uh, you know, it, it would be lovely in this particular context to talk about context, your yeah. own experience with uh, computer yeah, vision your own and how generative, yeah. yeah, how generative AI is enhancing computer vision. You know, that would be uh, lovely for the listeners so that they can make a connection to actually what's happening out here. Sure, sure, sir. Uh, so uh, both Leslie and uh, probably Jayant, uh, they have kind of witnessed uh, last so many years how we try to build step by step, one thing at a time, failed many times, iterated, come up with a few things. So uh, my interest actually uh, started around 2011. So I was working mostly on the forecasting aspect of, uh, you know, uh, very structured kind of data. and. Uh, uh, that time itself, there was uh, these things were coming up. Uh, all those uh, uh, models, new models were coming up. Uh, uh, Jan was Jan and other researchers. They had uh, uh, their uh, papers which came out. Also, if you think the one thing which has happened and which some of us underestimate, particularly in the context of India, 
is uh, the courses in Coursera and the courses in YouTube. So what happens is you suddenly you have access to all these good uh, guys, all these researchers across the world coming up and sharing the knowledge. So one thing which has happened in AI world particularly is that people have collaborated and shared a lot of knowledge, lot of models and lot of the data. So it became a little bit easier to get and experiment. So around 2011-12, I, I really wanted to see how what we can do with the unstructured data, with the, with the text and with the vision, with, with other things. So we had to pick one field and I picked a vision field for the simple reason because uh, it, it seemed really challenging at that point of time that how do I get information out of the pixels, plain pixels. And uh, uh, I we went around, tried to configure basic GPU server, which we are still using there uh, in, in our offices. Uh, so that's where like uh, the technology part came apart with the knowledge from everywhere in the world, people uh, uh, sharing their uh, information, their new algorithms, new data, and also there used to be some competitions, open open competitions where you can you know simply participate and uh, submit your model, see where you are on the leaderboard, can you do something better? And once those competitions used to get over the winners used to share their uh, algos and uh, for a person like me it was like huge right to understand where we missed out and what are the new insights which you could take up uh, with this uh, so the competition power came up with uh, slightly affordable it's, it was not very affordable but still slightly affordable uh, gpu cards graphics card uh, the information and the knowledge sharing which was happening and then you had to pick a field. Okay, I have taken this field. Now, how do I get, like, what kind of huge cases I can build? So, as you know, Leslie uh, and both Jayant, like, we experimented with multiple things around. So, our first thing was uh, the basic thing which you get is can I do become a horizontal AI company, right? And you know how difficult it is. So, uh, very soon we realized that it, it was not feasible for us, particularly. With the kind of resources which we had to experiment and build a horizontal AI company. So at best, what we could do is we can build a solution uh, for a particular segment, for a particular uh, 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 business, and then use this as a kind of an underlying intelligence level. So solve a problem which I, I really believe in, which we are passionate about, uh, but uh, you know accelerate the whole problem solving with the new uh, computer vision models, new deep learning models, and then experiment on top of that. So that's how we started. And we went through multiple phases, initially tried picking whatever uh, was coming, the use cases. And then we tried to narrow ourselves uh, to a particular aspect, uh, just solving one small problem, though it's not small, problem, it's a huge problem which we are trying to solve, occupational health, uh, and uh, you know musculoskeletal disorder which we walk in once you get in you realize how huge how big uh, and this problem is so uh, but uh, you know rishi yeah. in in brief can you just you know expand a little on this particular uh, aspect because i know that you use computer vision and machine learning models uh, you know mm -hmm. to convert a raw video into ergonomic insights now what exactly do you mean when you say that yeah Sure. So, uh, 
I'll, I'll first I will give you some data. Okay, uh, so many people will not know that the biggest segment of injury which happens across the industry is in the group which is called musculoskeletal disorder (MSDs). Right. So basically, all your uh, neck spasm, back pain, uh, wrist issues, etc. So they comes around almost forty percent. So this forty percent data comes up. From the compensation claims, actually, which the compensation claim which people uh, get out of uh, US and even European data, European surveys are on on the same uh, benchmark. In India, we don't have this kind of a data because this data is simply not getting captured at the right level. So uh, we know the problem now. What is happening because of this problem? Because of this problem, what is happening is the critical workers are getting injured really fast. And you are keeping a bench. The whole assembly line is stopping because somebody has is simply not able to move his back or back uh, because of the issue. And then uh, you know you go and call somebody, uh, occupational doctor who comes and gives you some kind of a uh, a pain reliever or something. So this is the issue which used to come there. Then what happened is researchers when when they got into that. Uh, both uh, from uh, uh, industry point of view and from medical point of view, that how do we solve this issue? So one way of solving this issue was to, you know, uh, trying to estimate the factors which is causing this issue. So there are factors like the way our postures, the, all the body joints which is moving into a particular way across the work which we do, uh, how fast or how slow our, we are uh, doing our work, and environmental environmental variables. Uh, beyond this, there are also you know psychosocial uh, aspect of this. At at what uh, uh, psychological state my mind is based on uh, that uh, my work and risk of injury also increases or decreases. So these are the common factors, right? So what happens is there are very few experts, if you call them, who can do this analysis on the scale. So some companies. Uh, uh, since so there are two things which is happening right so there are two driver one is the cost driver of course so wherever the healthcare cost is really high so people want to reduce this injury the other is you know the social uh, consciousness or just becoming a good company to work with right so I, I i i want to make sure that my employees are not getting injured so this is another driver where we talk about the whole esg field sustainability uh, yeah ESG and sustainability. So these are the drivers. Now, how do we solve this problem? The one way of solving this problem is uh, that we keep training more and more people. Uh, but then, even with those people, there comes subjectivity. There is uh, no kind of a, uh, you don't have some kind of a, a data to look into in the future. So last year, I did the assessment, risk assessment, and I don't know what has happened this year. So there's no correlation between uh, the risk which has been identified and the injury which has happened. And when we started working with, and uh, I came across this problem thanks to you and Jayant, actually, Leslie. So uh, if you if you remember, we were doing something else and that was out yeah, of we fun. Didn't get, we didn't get the royalty. Royalty. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's an interesting story and probably, uh, you know, Jayant can also add it here. So it was just a fun project which Jayant wanted to see how do we uh, capture the biomechanics for an athlete who is getting trained? How yeah. do we have some kind of a quantifiable information? 
and uh, uh, we started looking into that part first came up with some crude output and the first thing which happened is uh, jant got really excited let's do something let's let's come up yeah, with but, something but he, he had he had vested interest because his daughter is a national interest. level badminton player yeah so for the for the listeners if i may just button and give some context it was exactly 5 years ago it was a september 1 september evening 2018 it was a sunday night rishi came home for dinner and we started discussing and and for the listeners uh, at, uh, you know uh, knowledge my daughter is a you know a badminton player she is 14 years old so 5 years ago she was 9 okay and she wants to become a professional athlete so at that point of time you know during dinner i you know i was i'm always as a dad i'm always thinking of giving her some undue advantage right so and i thought i have access to you know technology and and people like rishi who are always at the cutting edge of emerging technologies how can i you know use any of these technologies coming up so i put this problem in front of rishi on a sunday night and we started discussing the problem till about 11 o'clock and by tuesday one and a half day later you know he sent me uh, the first version of how they could solve it using computer vision okay the biomechanics and and that evolved into a uh, into a, a poc which on which we had two patents actually where you know purely basis uh, a phone camera okay uh, uh, the model that cerebromedia developed can capture uh, you know the the movement of the athlete on the court and you know uh, and forecast potential injuries and and the best playing positions and even calorie mm-hmm. count it started from there and 5 years later it evolved into a completely different uh, you know product which cerebrum has just taken around the world right now yeah so i'll i'll, I'll quickly complete it uh, because let's just yeah. not feel uh, left out so what happened was we we built that biomechanics aspect of that so whole our goal was two things right so one is uh, the movement of the athlete and capture the reach of that that that's really important in racket sports right the other thing is like when when you are uh, doing a kind of a shot when you are uh, hitting a smash whether you are generating the right kind of force uh, behind that so uh, that's how we started that and and then lastly if you remember like we were introduced and we presented this in mint conference in 2018 yes yes sir. at the mtech yes. conference which was with uh, yes. mit and somebody took a video and uh, sent it to some of the people in the industry one of the uh, uh, big organization in india manufacturing company they uh, contacted us and asked us can we do something on similar line for uh, their workers now this is this is a strange thing normally we think that you know safety or health is kind of after thought particularly for the indian companies that, that's the mindset and by and large it's true also because of so many other reasons which you know it's not uh, relevant here uh, but that particular company they wanted to take this biomechanics for athlete and uh, extrapolate this for their workers so then the we, uh, yes and then we spent like uh, a week into their assembly lines trying to understand taking you know uh, talking to those uh, people talking to those workers and see if uh, whatever we are estimating through our models whether that correlates with what they go through and uh, most interesting insight of that uh, one week was like what the model output was when we had this probability of risk and when we talked to those people those workers already knew that 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 workstation 
day that is really tough so when we after the work when we go back we feel the pain so uh, that was known but there is no way of to quantify that data so that's how we started uh, saying that okay there, there is an opportunity there is something which we can build uh, and uh, that could be helpful so you know just reducing the pain i have my own back pain issue actually lower back pain though i i'm not sure whether it's because of the bad ergonomics or you know bangalore roads no it, or, it, it, uh, it it could be it could be bad karma also because <laughs> <laughs> No royalty. No royalty. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You 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 have to learn to explain it in many other ways. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but but you know, having having said that, uh, uh, Rishi, I I in the interest of time, I also want you to uh, you know explain to our listeners how generative AI is enhancing uh, uh, these uh, things. If if you're using generative AI and how yeah. it is enhancing. Yeah. What's the role of generative so, AI? So so some part of this we are using. So. So once you start uh, thinking about building a model, first thing which you need is the data, right? So uh, how do you get the data? So you need industrial partners to give you the data. They also have a lot of restrictions. People don't want to share the data, right? So one thing which we did was, apart from the partnership where we got some sort of industrial data, we tried to generate the data. And there were two things which helped us a lot. One is the game. So video games uh, where, uh, you know, people are in the industrial setting. Uh, so some of that data, which was already annotated. Mm -hmm. So uh, so that, that was really helpful for us. The second thing which we started doing was, you know, a lot of slicing and dicing of the data to create a kind of a set where we think that, okay, uh, now this particular aspect is not getting captured. Can we do some kind of improvement? And that was a long iterative process. So in one shot, we did not get it. We went through the multiple uh, multiple iterations with uh, different organization and with a lot of support of many uh, uh, you know companies for sure our, our our partners who helped us with the data, who helped us with validation. It went through the uh, from uh, single image to video in the lab setting to industrial setting. Uh, Rishi, I know that. Uh, I mean, again, since we are running out of time, and before I uh, end the. Uh, conversation i would love to ask you one question that i think even jayant would be very keen on knowing <clears throat> is that you know uh, typically in fact actually uh, uh, when we were talking to devjani on this uh, same uh, podcast uh, about uh, funding for deep tech companies uh, she, she said that yes this is a very big issue i we both jayant and me we know that uh, you have faced a lot of problems as far as funding is concerned why is it yeah. so is it that you know the vc community does not understand enough of these new technologies they're not willing to put uh, uh, you know uh, their uh, money behind these kind of projects they feel that you know something else might come up what exactly is the thinking i mean yeah because yeah. two weeks back uh, rishi when we spoke to devjani she advocated very strongly for uh, uh, patient capital okay and you've mm -hmm. had a journey i mean you are a deep tech uh, you know, company coming from AI research and evolving into a product company, and and you know, talk us through your through your journey of you know uh, raising funds, <clears throat> okay, and and how yeah. has been your journey, and what what more can be done, you know? Sure. Uh, so actually, be, uh, before I start talking about this aspect, it's a kind of a disclaimer that is is the personal experience, right? So no two startups are same. No two uh, uh, 
founders are saying. So people might have very different experience with uh, the investor community or with their own uh, company also. This is, this is just a personal anecdote and we'll, I'll not uh, try to You're generalize it too much. <laughs> yes, <laughs> because I still have to work with uh, the community, right? So uh, if, if uh, you remember like four or five years back when I used to talk to some of these. So there are two kind of investors in India, right? So one is at least India centric investor who, is the, who are not having presence uh, other than India, maybe in Singapore, maybe in Dubai, but not beyond that. Then there are other set of investors who are like, say, US investors who have an Indian presence. So these two are separate. I, I would like to separate them into two different classes. So what happened initially was like people were not sure about the huge cases of AI. Okay. So one thing, one common theme across the discussion was like, what is the market size? Tell me the TAM. And that was like, I, I really don't believe in the TAM for multiple reasons. I, I really get agitated about TAM part. Spoke like a so true for, entrepreneur. <laughs> for two reasons. One, as a startup, when I'm, I'm, I'm trying to solve a problem, if you ask me TAM, maybe I cook, I'll come up with some number, some market research people who are doing that for, for money, they have their own interest, they come up with a few billion dollars. But if I'm smart enough, and I know that uh, I have broken into something which is really fine and there is not much scope to grow. As a founder, I always, you know, can expand my time. So once I, uh, so with the startup, it, my, my personal experience and my personal advice would be to solve one problem better than anyone else. One small problem. If you are able to do that, then there is always scope to, you know, expand the time and other things. Now we have seen in Indian startups, uh, seen what has happened with all those big TAM companies, what is happening. It's not that they are not, uh, you know, they have not tried, but it, it becomes really difficult. So some of those investors who are very, uh, you know, uh, uh, experienced and they also had probably whatever their experience was, it, it just should not, we should not blame them. Uh, but their focus was, okay, what is the market size which we can capture? So that was the, the, the thing which was coming up. The second thing which people really focused on is, okay, what is the equivalent one? So for example, I am Uber of something, right? I am Tesla of something. So this was a craze sometimes back. So you always have to be copycat of somebody before people think that, okay, it's a viable business. And that's where like we need uh, investors who are a little bit more innovative. There are a few, it's not like there are none. There are a few who takes bet on uh, startups and at least from uh, startup from IIT Madras, they, they were funded by some of the company, which is like, you know, there is a moonshot companies, but somebody is taking a bet and there would be IP, there would be technology, there would be knowledge, which will come out of that at least, even if they are not successful into their, their grand vision. So there are a few things where people were really conservative. They wanted to follow what is already happened somewhere and then do that. And then it was very difficult for them to also understand that how the AI part, particularly the part which we were doing, the, the vision part of the AI, how that will expand into a big sustainable business. So probably some blame to people like us also who were not able to uh, convince those investors in, an, in a right way. But as a founder, you have to take a choice. So 
you have limited uh, time, you have limited energy, whether you should focus on the investors, whether you should focus on your consumers, right, the clients. And uh, probably we took a decision that we still talk to some of the investors sometimes, but our main, we say no to many people. And we say that, okay, let's, let's focus our energy, our limited energy to get the product where uh, we are solving some of the issues and uh, you know the the client is happy so that's that's the focus which we tried taking up uh, for many years now no I, i'm glad you brought up this point yeah. because i think i think to be fair we have to tell our listeners also that you know a lot of i mean practically every iit has a no i mean all iits have these deep tech uh, incubation centers yes. and startup yeah. incubation centers. Incubators. So I think it's important, like IIT Bombay has the innovation cell, yes. so has IIT Madras, IIT Delhi. And these are like known, some of the best uh, uh, of uh, entrepreneurs have come up from these things. But I think the reference was more to the hardcore, you know, deep tech uh, uh, companies like yours, where probably the technologies are unknown you know like i think uh, in the west it's easier in silicon valley it's easier to get uh, uh, patient capital for because they understand the ecosystems perhaps in india we are more used to e-commerce companies uh, yes. more used to other kind of companies and as you said i, I think you brought up this very important point of uh, the tam factor i wonder if uh, sam no. altman was asked what's what's the tam it would have been very difficult for application of, of <laughs> no, tokens. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, yeah, exactly. there, there is a video uh, where Sam Altman went on record saying yes. that we still don't know how to make money, right? I mean, in India, exactly. the investment uh, ecosystem is more on the apps and the scalability, uh, uh, you know, versus the technology innovation. And but that's changing, you know, to Rishi's point. Yeah, Jayant, and you have helped. You have you have helped many companies get investments, so you should uh, know about uh, this particular. Yeah, that's that ecosystem. No, but I think it's. Yes. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm sure that as you said, I think on this positive note that the ecosystem is changing. I'm sure a lot of more cerebrums will come up. And, uh, you know, I, yeah. I love this word cerebrum. First, it was it cerebrum first and then you added the edge to it. <laughs> uh, yeah, because we were looking for domains at that point of time and the cerebrum was simply not av available. So, uh -huh. see, again, the cerebrum came out of neural network, right? So, all the neural network you know inspired with the brain and we were looking for some some word related to brain and that's how cerebrum and then it's an advantage of our brain that's how we came up with the name okay. rishi great uh, we had a real nice uh, cerebral talk over here and yeah. uh, you gave us real good insights on it and uh, uh, thank you very much for being here and wish you the best with all your future investments and of course, we'll be talking more. And I, I don't think this is the last. Uh, we will surely have you on the, uh, you know, the other uh, upcoming podcast whenever uh, you you make some other. What would you say? Path breaking innovations. No, I mean the way the you know way uh, you know the big trillion dollar companies are opening up, and you know we might have him only to help us and the audience understand, unravel, you know, make sense of all these new releases every other week. Yeah, absolutely. Never know for some workshop or something. So <laughs> good. Uh, hope you guys have. Thank a you so great much. Weekend. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Rishi. Thanks, Leslie. Thank you. Thanks, Jayan. Thanks. Take care. Bye.